Absolute steaming week of rugby. I uh, games like the one we had last weekend. They really, you know, they keep me up at night, not for the good reasons. And uh, to dissect what happened uh, last weekend and to talk a bit about where to, where do we go from now? Is Wendell Hussey, Wendell, where do we go from now? Ah, uh, Errol, that seems to be the question. Um, lots and lots of people are talking about this week. You know, social media, group chats. Everyone's got their opinions on how they are going to fix a game of rugby in this country, scrapping rules, bringing in new rules, changing the school system, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's the annual week of reflection and um, soul-searching after another Bledisloe thumping. Um, I'm not sure, Errol. I'm not 100% sure where we go from here. Um, you know, just quickly before we get into the game, we should uh, put a bit of a spoiler alert out there for people who haven't yet seen it. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, probably just don't. Mm. You can uh, delete that off your Foxtel or Ostar IQ box yep. and uh, probably look forward to uh, next year's Blitterslow action because, Wendell, we have a bit of a problem with the third game in that Mark McGowan, the chairman of the People's Republic of Western Australia, he slammed the door shut to New Zealand. Yes. So New Zealanders won't be allowed to come there. So that puts the third game under a cloud, mm. I think they say in WA. Yeah, huge cloud. Um, turns out it's not just people on the eastern seaboard and east of Western Australia. Um, New Zealand is east of Western Australia as well, so they are not allowed to come over there. So that third test match, the dead rubber um, over there in Perth, in doubt in a... 10 days time or so so everyone's trying to figure out where we're going to do what we're going to rush if we're going to go up to Queensland like the NRL what's going to happen there um when we when we show some more promise and we probably win the game against the All Blacks that third dead rubber that we seem so good at winning yeah no it's almost a given mm. that we're going to win this third game yeah it's um feels very cyclical doesn't it this this week that we have we have that anticipation leading up to the first Bledisloe Cup game quite often we lose that first Bledisloe Cup game because it's over there in New Zealand and a lot of people going oh well, there was promise there there was promise there and then we get that walloping you know that big pumping that huge scoreline we had. Um, I think it was 35 points on the weekend that we got done by. Well, yeah, it was 35 points Mm. and we failed to break the 35-year drought, Mm. you know, which I guess, you know, if you were a farmer and you'd been through a 35-year drought, how um, productive do you think your farm would be, Wendell? Yeah, not uh, very productive. I reckon you might have moved into a little place on the edge of town and may have given up farming, I reckon. Um, So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a valid point there, but... They seem to find a way, the Wallabies, to win these dead rubber games and instill a little bit of hope for next year. You know, you just get you get your hopes built, they get crushed, and then they get built up a tiny bit and you think, oh, maybe next year's our year. And that's been the case for, what, 19 years now? And um, questions that have been swirling on social media and uh, online, newspapers, everywhere is how we're going to break this 19-year drought. And if we ever are going to break this 19-year drought, Errol, you got any solutions, any fixes 
any hot takes? Well, mate, look, I was, you know, like many people in the in the rugby community, especially down there in that diseased inverted portaloo at fucking Sydney. Um, you know, I was waiting for this weekend, waiting to see what uh what was going to be pontificated to me by the rugby fraternity that makes up, you know, the back opinion pages of the Sydney Morning Herald. You know, but looking forward to basing my my opinions about how to rebuild the game off that. But look, having the All Blacks put fifty seven points on you is uh, it's concerning. It's a record. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Kiwis they put a record on us uh, was last year yes. or the year before. Yep. So right. So basically, this is fifty seven points. Seems like you know this is the high water mark. Mm. This is basically as good as Kiwi rugby is going to get mm. before it starts to recede. Because rugby, like many things in this world, is tidal. Mm. And the All Blacks, you know, they have been through arguably the biggest king tide in uh, world sport mm. for a long time. They've been on top of the rugby world for, you know, almost two decades mm. now. But I think now we started to see some cracks forming in the Kiwi game plan. And I think we can finally say with great confidence that Kiwi rugby is on the decline here. Yes, I mean, yes. I think maybe we jumped the gun. Maybe there's some cause for reflection there. We may have jumped the gun a little bit earlier this year, but I think we can say at this point, this that is the high watermark. They can't keep breaking records like um, New South Wales is doing with its case numbers at the moment. This is the high watermark, as you say, Errol. And from here, their older All Black squad starts to subside and our young Wallabies start to learn from these occasions and they start to learn from these losses and they start to build into the Bledisloe next year and the World Cup in a couple of years' time. I think that was one positive out of it. it was, there was a lot of... A lot of younger guys in the team, you know what I mean, that made those early mistakes and um, made some bad errors. And you would hope that they learn from it because football is their full-time job. That's what they do six, seven days a week quite often is they play football and they watch football and they learn football. So you would hope that things like, um, you know, midfield bombs to the All Blacks back three inside our own 22 probably don't happen again because they're pretty good at cutting us to pieces. And maybe we just we stop throwing cutout balls. What do they say? The definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different to happen. I told you last mm. week. I told you last week. In the first game, they were throwing those fucking cutout passes and it was costing us points. Of, you know, it's like getting out via... A run out in test cricket. Mm. It is a cardinal sin to have someone take an intercept off your pass. Yep. There is absolutely no fucking reason. We didn't even have numbers mm. on that side. Not just once. Yeah. They threw one bad cutout pass in the first half that got intercepted. So what do they keep on doing? They keep throwing fucking cutout passes. Yeah, it's um, a lot of blood, a lot of blood up there in the head. These um, intercept passes that they keep throwing, it's like they're just so impatient. They can just see that there's um, some people out wide and they just want to score. There's no no patience. Just spending all your pocket money at once with this big loopy pass that gets picked off. I almost feel bad for the All Blacks fans too. I mean, by... You know, three quarter time, the All Blacks would score a try and it it'd just be silent. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't even fill out even Eden Park. You know, like they're banking a win there, and it's like the celebrations up and about didn't even fill it out. So that was I know just I mean, like just when you think, you know, the game in this country couldn't recede any further, it fucking slides all the way back to where we are now. Yeah. Like, in terms of the world fucking rankings now, like, we'd be well behind Argentina now. I mean, we'd be de- we'd be lucky to be top 10. 
a lot of the hope has um, dissipated a little bit. There was a lot of excitement about these young guys, and that's that's one thing I think that is that they are young guys. And you know, yeah, we we had this record thumping, and we made some shitty mistakes, and it couldn't have you know could have been different. Could have not blown out like that. You go two intercept tries and a shitty midfield bomb. That's twenty one points we gave away. Could have been a lot closer. You know, we fucked our line out on the Kiwis try line with an extra man up. You know, those things you'd hope that we learn from. But yeah, if history is anything to indicate, it hasn't happened in the past. But Something positive to take out of it is those young guys. Um, but, yeah, so a, a lot of people have been going on this week uh, about how they fix it. Everyone's yeah, everyone's offered up stuff. One of the big ones has been the scrapping of the Giddo rule. It should have never existed in the first place. Yeah. I mean, what a dumb fucking rule. I mean, but you've just got these fucking lower North Shore fucking sausage face cunts that come up and they're just like... <laughs> Uh, we have to protect the game here. We have to, we have to railroad talent into staying in the country. It defies common sense. It defies the fucking the system of capitalism that put those fucking people on the lower North Shore in the first place. Mm. There's so much talent that we have overseas that we can't access. I, I mean, you've got Latu, Arnold, Skelton, Coleman, McMahon, Gill, Karevi, and Kurtley Beale. Mm. All overseas. My only thing with that is when they were here, we were still getting fucking pumped. You know, we were still losing each time um, we played the All Blacks. So it's only up from here. Mm. It cannot get any worse than where we are right now. Yeah, the Super Rugby sides are freaking out with the, any changes to the Giddo law because they're worried that they'll just lose a lot more of their best talent. Um, some people are saying, oh, well, Maybe have a look. Maybe it'll at- make it more entertaining to watch mm. if the teams are more evenly matched. One positive effect could be that we just bail out of Super Rugby. Uh, like, we lose more talent from the Super Rugby sides. We, just, we don't even win a single game against the Kiwis next year, and we just finally decide Super Rugby's over. We're just going to play our own comp amongst ourselves, and we'll just play our, you know, play our test matches against the Kiwis at the end of the year and see where we go from there. there that's one other thing that I think maybe is um, worth considering: is do we have Stockholm syndrome with the All Blacks? You know, like we play them so many times, we play their Super Rugby sides, and recently they're just beating us and they're just pumping us so often and so frequently. I, I wonder: do we instead of you know trying to scrap Guido laws, trying to change all these things, trying to change structures? Maybe we just stop playing the best team and the best country in the world all the time and losing. You know, England might play the All Blacks once every two or three years if they're lucky and they don't lose to them. Any other team would just get pumped by the All Blacks regularly. Uh, But we seem to just be so obsessed with playing them that we play them so much and we lose and we get disheartened and people stop watching. Yeah, look, you're onto something here. I think possibly wrapping the Super Rugby up here and, you know, possibly sending all of our teams over to play in Japan Mm, where, you know, they can get used to the sensation of winning. You know, it's kind of like how people, well, you know, it was ethically in a bit of a grey area, but how people blood greyhounds with possums (laughs) and whatnot. I think a lot of these super rugby teams and indeed our our national team, sometimes you just need a win. Sometimes you just need a kill. Mm. And in rugby... Confidence is is almost the most important thing you can have on a field. And I think when you're constantly getting flogged in your domestic competition, you're getting flogged by the All Blacks. I think it takes a lot of confidence out of young and old players. Mm. I think putting them over into Japan will get them ready for victory. They'll learn what victory feels like and then they'll come back and they'll, you know... 
once they've had a taste of thrashing another team, then the confidence will come. New Zealand, they're so good. They can just play with themselves for a little while. They can entertain themselves. We can throw our toys out of the cot, do our own thing. Maybe a national competition. Um, that's kind of what I think the long-running effect if we scrap the Giddo rule, I think. Super Rugby will be in so much trouble in Super Rugby. And and whether this is a case of myopia from the people in front, short-sightedness, that they don't realise that they're going to kill Super Rugby um, if they let go of this Giddo law. Um, I don't know, maybe it's long-term thinking. Maybe they're playing the long game where they're going to get a national competition where we play some more level opponents. I don't know. Well, Wendell, maybe it is time to tap Super Rugby on the head like a slow greyhound and... um possibly you know take the competition to a bit of you know a macro level Mm. where we go back to really playing a more provincial style rather than you know a state-based type uh, competition where you know you've got you know a team from country new south wales country queensland townsville in the cities yeah you know just try and make the sport a bit more you know national as Mm. opposed to just being WA has a bit of a look in, but yeah, usually just Waratahs, Reds and Brums. Mm. Yeah, a bit closer with, to home. With a little bit of rebel action in there, mm. but look, I think really bringing it down to um, essentially what the NRL is. You know, yeah. You've got a national competition that's more insular. Yeah. Something that's, yeah, it's uh, it's closer to the heart. It's tangible. It's more achievable. You know, you can, you can relate to giving it to someone from a neighbouring part of your city or a neighbouring city, it, you know, it's and it's more, more frequent. Tribal. Yeah, tribal, tribal. Much more tribal. Yeah. I think that's what rugby union has always wanted where, you know, you can't be that tribal about your state. Obviously, you've got state of origin, but that's essentially just a marketing exercise that's kicked down the road by Harvey Norman. But look, I think New Zealand rugby, if we're being honest here, I think they could probably do without it too. Mm. I mean, they do have a very strong tribal provincial rugby competition. But if you take away uh, super rugby, that would make both of these, you know, insular tribal competitions much more entertaining. And I think ultimately it would be a better product. Yes, yeah. I I think you might be right, Earl. It does feel like we are in a bit of a dysfunctional relationship at the moment and for both parties it's time to just recognize maybe it's not working and maybe it's time to walk away i don't know i don't know i mean our our view could completely change after optus um optus stadium over there in perth if they play it there um, if we get there i think the only place now that kiwis are allowed to go in australia without quarantining i think it's tasmania so are we going to get a bledisloe test match in Tasmania for the first time. I would love that uh, down there at Bell Reve Oval. That would be sensational. Or maybe up there in Launceston. I think the premier rectangular stadium in Tasmania, I think it'd be probably uh, the University of Tasmania's rugby field. Oh, yeah. Um, Is there one in Launceston, maybe? Maybe. I think they've got one um, at the Army Barracks in Hobart. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah, yeah. that, but yeah, yeah that's, that's that about it. Um, yeah, look, would love to see it in Tasmania. The only thing that I will say about Perth and Optus Stadium, in the long and storied history of this game, the Wallabies have never lost to the All Blacks at Optus Stadium. Well, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think that Mark McGowan, uh, I know that he's a fan of the show, he loves rugby union. Um, <laughs> I think uh, he needs to uh, he needs to take that on board mm. because that's one thing that the Wallabies do need is is a bit of a track record. Yep. I'm, I mean, like this 
Bledisloe competition has been dictated by hoodoos. Mm. And I think that we have a bit of a hoodoo at Eden yep. Park, if you believe what the fake news media will tell you at Fox Sports. <laughs> I mean, a one-game winning streak at Optus, maybe not quite as daunting as the 40-year stranglehold at Eden Park, but it's definitely something we've got. We've got a 100% winning record there, so let's uh, let's get it going, Mark McGowan. Show your Newcastle roots. Let them shine through. Yeah, and they're, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, big rugby union town, uh, the port city of Newcastle, but I think moving forward, Dave Rennie should go out and buy one of those telescopic police baton things you can buy from certain websites and he should take it down into the dressing room he should flick it out and say anyone who throws a cutout pass this game is going to get flogged until they go to sleep not dropping you i'm just going to flog you until you go to sleep and you learn a lesson i'm going to flog you about the legs with this baton so much that you wish you grew up playing soccer yeah i think um that would be wise and praying jock gets a start um i think noah obviously very talented he's the future but he maybe needs to yeah he needs some time <laughs> he needs some time to, to figure things out jock would be good he likes kicking the ball between the sticks he likes playing nice and simple um and then you can move hunter pasami in there to 12 and karevi to 13 or vice versa and then we just play the big boppers through the middle run hard run over the top of them keep it nice and simple and don't throw cutout passes so hopefully that happens in this next game which hopefully goes ahead in 10 days time um just i think it will yeah Either either in Perth or fuck, you know, at this point, they could even play it in fucking South Australia. Mm. They could even play it in Darwin. I mean, or, or even Alice Springs. It's not that hot out here right now. I mean, you know, playing rugby when it's 30 is not that bad. And in Alice Springs, it's not muggy. In Adelaide, it's not muggy. In Darwin, it's fucking muggy. But, you know, it isn't as bad as it is in bloody January or February. Wherever it is, let's hope they sort it out. Maybe Queensland. Maybe they'll do the rugby championship up there in Queensland. Um, well, you know, they can always go to fucking New South Wales. I mean, they just got to bite the bullet and cop the cough on the yep, chin. Prepare to have a South African Lions um, amount of COVID cases amongst the squads and no dramas there. Um, but one thing I just wanted to touch on before we wrap it up is there's some news out of Sydney um, over the last little while that the Penrith Emus are going to get booted from Shoot Shield next year. They don't have a licence. Uh, they're not going to be offered a licence to join the Shoot Shield. Well, the reasoning is that every team needs to have a women's team to be part of the Shoot Shield, which is... That's great. That's fantastic. Um, But it does seem like it's a rule that's been brought in to stop Penrith from competing in the competition next year um, rather than offering... I know that they have had a couple of hard years. They have. They have had hard years and, you know, they, they have... A strings like strings of results you know they might lose by 100 one week 120 the next week 70 the next week and things are hard out there but in terms of um short-sightedness uh, we spoke about a little bit before with the ghetto rule this seems about as short-sighted as it gets the you know how many people live in greater western sydney errol about three million i'd say yeah two and a half million it's bigger than the size of fucking brisbane is western sydney now that's a lot of people who'd be pretty fucking good at rugby out there. And a lot of them obviously playing rugby league because, you know, um, not many rugby clubs have affiliations with local RSLs and golf clubs and that sort of stuff where there's lots of pokies. But 
there's by sheer weight of numbers, there's two and a half million people out there. If rugby wants to grow in this game and stop being a game um, that is rapidly decreasing in terms of the numbers playing it you have to go well look at all these two and a half million people out here we need to find a way to try and engage them and try and get something going out here instead of just going oh they get pumped every week they're not good enough and the likes of Eastwood and Sydney Uni and Randwick just keep on rolling through and keep on winning and keep on winning it's great for them but there needs to be some more long-term vision there needs to be some ways where these clubs get together and go okay what's a way where we can make it sustainable how can we help Penrith? And I know they've come together and they've tried to say that in the past, but there actually needs to be genuine efforts made to go, how can we help Penrith? How can we make sure that Penrith is functioning going forward so Sydney doesn't just become uh, a city where the codes are only played in the east, east, eastern suburbs and the North Shore and the Northern Beaches? Because, you know, I think everyone acknowledges that it's not going to be good for our game if that happens. There was an interesting comment from the head of the SRU that came out and said, we appreciate the strength of the local Penrith Junior Program and the region will work with New South Wales Rugby Union to find ways to provide pathways for local juniors to ins- to stay engaged within rugby within the wider GWS district and the Western Sydney Two Blues. Now, the reason... Now, the way that they're going to get them staying engaged is just by bringing them across to clubs like Randwick and Sydney University and Northern Suburbs. They're just going to bring these young, talented guys across. There's so many guys from Western Sydney playing for those clubs and... They're just bringing them across and it works and it keeps them propped up. But in terms of the long-term viability of this game, I really struggle to see how they think dropping Penrith from it is a good idea. By getting rid of a club like Penrith, you know, a kid from out in that part of the country has more chance of becoming the Prime Minister than he does playing for the Wallabies. Like, these people harp on in this game, that run this game, you know, as I said, these lower North Shore sausage face C-words... It sounds like, to me, they don't actually want a team in Penrith because yeah. that would inconvenience them. You know, they'll have to drive all the way out there. Mm. Yeah, Rugby Australia says they're committed to Western Sydney. Well, stump up the money. Just, you know what I mean? Maybe it's not technically fair that you give Penrith Emus uh, money and more money than these other clubs, but for the good of the game and the viability of the game, you need to have clubs in Western Sydney. And can't you see that by stumping up and by these eastern suburbs and North Shore clubs making sacrifices in the long term, you will build Penrith up and you will have a successful club out there and you will have a more successful tournament. It can't be bad for the game. It seems just so short-sighted that there's no immediate benefits of having Penrith in. You drive, yeah, an hour and a half out to Nampan Rugby Park, you pump them and then you come back and, you know, it's just it's not worth having them in. They're not competitive except etc 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 they aren't now but if we do something and if these clubs do something to actually ensure that they are building and successful going into the future it will it'll bring back so much of the game and it will have such strong returns down the track but it just seems like no one can look down the track see this type of thing has happened in afl and it's happened in rugby league historically and the way that they have gotten through it is by banding together I mean, just go back to the mid-80s, you know, the St. George Dragons, they were on their ass, um, you know, in terms of their finances, and you got the Bunnies who got the boot, and they came back, and at the front of the protest to get the Bunnies back in the NRL, you had players from every club there. Mm. They were all campaigning. They said, this game will be so much stronger if we have the Bunnies in it. Yeah, there's this solidarity, this understanding of a greater engagement there is no solidarity in rugby union it's fucking it's either fuck you i've got mine or you're out on your ass yeah. 
Yeah, it's very sad. And look, Penrith have been knocked out and they've come back um, before. So let's hope something happens and something changes. I think they'll yeah, be back. I hope they'll be back. I mean, um, yeah, it's not it's not good for the game if they're out. But and uh, just quickly before we go, just like to send our best wishes to the Kefu family. Good to see that Todd is doing better. He's uh, up in bed. Um, I saw him hoeing into a bit of KFC, so it looks like he's going to be all right. So, yeah, it's a bit of a scare during the week, but, you know, we're glad that all the Cafus are okay. They're all going to make mm-hmm. it. They're uh, all going to be back in the rugby community very soon down there in Brisbane. Yeah, very scary stuff, hopefully. They do get better soon. Um, but that's all we've got time for this week. We will not be back next week. We're just going to have a little sabbatical. There's not heaps of footy on. There's going to be Argentina and the Springboks to analyse, which I think you kind of know how that would go if we were analysing that. So we'll be back in 10 days' time, maybe a week, a couple of weeks' time after, hopefully, the Wallabies have bounced the All Blacks in Perth, in Tasmania, South Australia, wherever it is, regional New South Wales, uh, wherever they bounce them. We'll be back and we'll be talking about it then. So um, until then, go well, stay safe, bye-bye.